I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about a loss, a loss to Villarreal 3-2. Despite Real Madrid having the lead twice in this match, um, Villarreal managed to turn it around. It was uh, an up and down game. There was, I felt like it kind of came in waves. There were moments where you thought Madrid looked good and then moments where it really, really looked poor. Um, and so joining me tonight to kind of break this all down is Sid. Sid, how are you doing? Great, great. Um, it was such a Real Madrid game to lose right after the 4-0 Clasico win. <laughs> yeah. domestic. It's almost like it's straight out of the book of Real Madrid, it feels like. <laughs> for sure, um, for, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought I didn't like the lineup, I guess I should say. I liked how he um, just changed up the lineup, considering I still think the league is somewhat over, even though, like, if they won today and kept winning out, sure, but now I think the league is definitely over, and I like the rotation. You know, if there's one good thing to take away from the game, for sure, just giving Chuamani some minutes in midfield, Ceballos minutes in midfield, um, Vasquez at right back, you know, things like that. What did you make of the four-two-three-one formation? Because now this is pretty much the second league game where we've rolled this out, Valladolid being the first. Um, and Asensio playing that number 10 spot, Rodrigo in the, on the right wing. They didn't really interchange as much this game as they did against Valladolid. But what was your take on that formation and whether or not it helped us or, or not in this match? I think, um, you know, it's very... I think there's, it's sort of like what you said, how um, there were moments where it looked like, you know, wow, like great rotation, great, the four, two, three months working. It's like sort of like how you drew it up on the training ground. And then there were moments where the reality, reality of the situation became apparent that they haven't really played together in this formation that much. Um, defensively, especially, there are just moments where nobody knows who they're supposed to mark. Um, I thought the defense was frustrating and the offense was promising. I think overall, if I had to, um, I think that's where I would lean. I think it's it's a gamble that leans towards offense. And we saw what how that worked out today. The team couldn't hold the lead, but they did take the lead twice. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think you saw 
the moments where Asensio thrived. And it's because he had the ability to hang a little bit higher. He was freed of some of the defensive responsibilities a normal central midfielder would have. And so that allowed him to kind of take advantage of transition opportunities, run at a retreating back line, um, and then pick his pass. And that's kind of where that first goal came from. Um, And I think to your point, there's give and take with that. I mean, the positives are you have an additional um, runner in the offense. You have basically four offensive threats that you're keeping a little bit higher and just relying on the double pivot of, in this case, Ceballos and Chuameni to help that back line. Um, but on the opposite end of the spectrum, I think you also saw how being one less in midfield made it a little bit more disjointed. And I think Chuameni and Ceballos sometimes were were chasing shadows. I think they were a little bit late to to runners. I think you saw that in some of the goals, even just in terms of pressing and, and tracking runners. And so I think some of the, I think it goes back to my point about the game ebbing and flowing. Like it, there were moments where it looked like, yes, this is going to work. We're going to make the best of it. Um, you know, it, it, it pays off to to play with these four attackers. And there were moments where you're like, Oh my God, this is so disjointed. This, this midfield doesn't work like over the course of 90 minutes. Is that a realistic formation or a system that Madrid can use? Or is it something where if you don't bury those goals in the first half, then you might have to adjust your system or it's just something you use in the second half where you're chasing a game. Yeah, it's hard to say. And um, really real are one of the better teams in the league. I think that's um yeah, we've it's been difficult playing against them this year. I mean, the Copa del Rey, we had to come back. We lost to them at uh, in the reverse fixture. They, they've been a tough one for us. Yeah, so I think it's like a harsh, almost a like harsh game to evaluate the formation in that sense. Um, yeah. They are one of the better teams. And as much as I'd love for, you know, both times the team took the lead, I thought it would work. But um, it almost felt off that we could rotate just the way our team generally sets up, it almost felt like not real. Like I didn't think we would win that easily. And um, that manifested by the end. It's almost funny though, how um, the same way in the Classico, the team showed up the way on a Champions League night, if it's close, they're going to win. A night like this, you just know the ball's going to bounce the other way. <laughs> it's just the, um, it's the history of Real Madrid. <laughs> well, it helps that Villarreal had prime Aaron Robin on their team, i.e. Chakweze playing out of his mind. I've never seen him play that well. He's always been a guy that's like, you felt like he's never fulfilled his potential, never been able to put all the pieces together. Of course, tonight at the Santiago Bernabeu, he puts the pieces together. Everything he touched turned to gold. I mean, I've Nacho will be having nightmares about Chakweze tonight. I thought he had a couple good tackles on him, but for the most part, Chakweze got the better of him and you knew exactly what he was going to do just like Aaron Robin you knew exactly what he was going to do but he could you couldn't stop him um and that final goal was just the dagger blow yeah it was something else and um yeah I mean that's why I keep going back to rotation being a good general feeling in this game like the midfield getting to many some minutes um I thought that was really important obviously we still played Benzema Vinicius Rodrigo but um I think like at this point La Liga games, the rest of them are more of a training exercise for the Champions League than, like, isn't that how we have to view them at this point? <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I guess, but at the same time, you've got Atleti who are playing out of their minds in 2023. I mean, this is the best they've been under Simeone in a long time. And, I mean, there's some pride at stake in just making sure you maintain that second spot. They'll be within two points of us if they win tomorrow. Um, I mean, uh, I'm so, if you, what, let's say, let's say we get, we win the Copa del Rey. You, let's say Atleti catch up to us in third place or, and we move into third place and then you get to the Champions League semifinals, but are knocked out. Is that considered a successful season or is that considered a season you're willing to take? No, no. But my point is like the league is now officially over. I mean, you know, if it wasn't already and like, I think there was a small chance, just 12 points and, um, Oh, I don't, I, I don't know if there's a chance. I don't know that I believe there is a chance, but I still fully expect Madrid to win these games. Yeah, I mean, I just thought before this game, mathematically, you were coupled, like with Barcelona's injuries, you were a couple drop point games away from maybe, you know, feel like building momentum through good performances in the league. But with this, I feel like now the league is like almost pointless. I don't know how. It's going to be interesting to see. You do have to keep second place. Um it's not too dissimilar to last year where we were probably going to win anyways around this time, but playing better kind of helped keep the team in rhythm as they went into the Champions League ties. I think um, um, I'm mostly just paying attention to the rotation for that reason. Cause it's about like, are we now the lineup we put out Wednesday, I'm sure we're going to change the midfielders pretty aggressively and going forward. Like I hate to say it, but we need to win those league games enough to stay ahead of Atleti. But um that's not too many points, honestly. Even if they, I mean, I don't think Atleti are going to win out or anything. Um, they're not like they're good. They're in good form. I don't know if, um, you know, I'm not. I'm not that concerned. I should say about finishing third. This is one of the hardest games left on our schedule. For example, um, no more games against Atletico. No more games against Barcelona. No more games against Villarreal. The three teams that probably you would consider Real Madrid are expected to drop points against. Was, you mentioned the confidence factor there and just kind of the rhythm of playing well. Does that, do we think that really influences things come Wednesday or moving forward in the Champions League if we continue to kind of just bring it down, as Ancelotti said, cool the temperature uh, when it comes to La Liga? Like, does that, does that play on the minds? Is that like, I mean, Benzema, for example, he was running so hot and then tonight it was kind of a, it's kind of, a game similar to to what we've seen earlier in the season. Does that impact him for Wednesday? Well, I don't think it impacts him for Wednesday because I think the coaching staff will learn from every game. And I don't think what we saw tonight is quite closer at all. And I don't like Asensio is not going to start on a Champions League night anytime this season, for example. <laughs> um, as much as I love him when he's, you know, has runners on both sides and Benzema ahead of him in league games. He's not starting any of those games. So as a result, um, you know, I can't, I don't want to take too much away from this game for that one reason alone. Like the the whole demeanor of the team on the Champions League night is different. Like going back to like 2017-18 when they weren't too good in the league and they still won it. It's, I almost get a bit of 2017-18 vibes this season. Um, you know, maybe not good enough to win the league, maybe not even good enough to put out consistent performances, but the talent is there. Like, as a pure knockout team, would you not say that the rest of the team outside Benzema is like in a better position than last season? In terms of form? 
Yeah, like Rodrigo is more established as a starter. Eduardo Camavinga is now established. Like the team can rely on him. Um, I think really Rodrigo I, being featured more gives me a certain confidence. I think though there's a couple things that are major differences from this season versus last season. And this that triangle of Alaba, Mendy, and Casemiro, I think you can't discount how important they were. Uh, and I think obviously Alaba's coming back now and it looks like he's back to his best and uh, back into rhythm, which is huge. But for a long stretches of the season, we're without Alaba. We've been without Mendy and obviously Casemiro's gone. And so I think those three cornerstones, um, not necessarily like they provide, you could argue they provide very little offensively, but I think it's the defensive stability that they provide, which releases and gives freedom to others um and so i don't think we have that i don't know that we have that same solidity without those type of guys there and i'm not saying i'm not saying that this is maybe i'm i don't know if i would say it's a worse team but i'm i'm playing devil's advocate because i think those three guys really do make a difference i think it hasn't really been talked about this season because how well Kamavinga has been playing um, wherever he's been put and too many at the start of the season. But I think Casemiro in those big, big games will be a miss. And I think you do, you do start notice like some of the tactical holes in our midfield when he's, when he isn't there. And so um, I think those are major differences from this, this year versus last year. And I agree with you that like, Kamavinga probably been one of our best players this season playing lights out Rodrigo more established but I don't know if that's that's enough yeah and it comes down to the lineup and um I mean we saw last year around this time that Carlo learned progressively during the games like Casemiro missed the game at the Etihad but by the time he was back against City the defense was so much more short up even outside his mere presence I feel like um tactically they figured out how to defend better it's mostly um I agree the personnel are different. The, they haven't found an 11, like the one that was able to start games last season. I guess the one that started games last season didn't play too well in a lot of the Champions League games. That's where, um, you know, I'm, I'm confident that Camavinga from the get-go means we may not have to come back as much. Even, But I agree that um, the lack of Casemiro and Mendy for sure means the defense is less reliable. Um, and that's where I just wonder, like, I feel like the tool set, yes, Casemiro's gone, but... With Camavinga established and Rodrigo more established, I feel more comfortable knowing that we will start games without being at a physical deficit. Mainly um, the position we were in against City, where we were leaking so many chances in the first leg and had to claw our way all the way back. And the position we were in against Chelsea in the second leg, where we just gave up a three-goal deficit. I'm wondering what the advantage of avoiding those situations entirely will be in the Champions League. And I hope that games like this, he realizes what constitutes stability and what doesn't. And I also think um, there's just more trust in guys like Ceballos and Valverde to play in midfield. I'm hoping that's what um, Rodrigo's presence on the wing can do. And again, those are things that are so unrelated to what we saw tonight because we saw Asensio playing as the fourth attacker. It's just like, it's just so night and day from what we're going to see probably on this coming week, you know? Yeah, and then again, for me, like, I don't know if that's the right maybe it it has nothing to do with it and once that champions league anthem music goes like and 
that Santiago Bernabeu is tuned in. It, it's a whole different mindset, like you talked about. But at the same time, part of me is torn thinking, like, why change everything up? Why, why kind of break the rhythm of this team and the momentum today ahead of the Champions League? Um, and and maybe again, like if the ball bounces differently, you look at the XG from this game. I think we were, um, I think it was like two point one versus one point one or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so Real Madrid, if if the ball bounces differently, they could have had this one, and we I could be saying singing a different story. So I don't want to get too results oriented, and I want to focus more on the process. But I think. I think it'll be interesting come Wednesday because I don't know if guys like Chuameni, um, Nacho, Rudiger, I don't know that those guys, even Rodrigo tonight, I, I think he'll start on Wednesday, but I don't know that those guys did themselves any favors in trying to make their way into the lineup. What do you think? I mean, given today's performance and what do you think going into yeah, Wednesday Rod- will look like? Rodrigo wasn't the most clinical today. For sure. Um, I agree. I, um, I don't, it's so hard because at this point, every time we don't start him, I feel like we get, we pay for it. That's- yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, you know how my view, I think most of the listeners know I'm a hundred percent in on Rodrigo. I think he should be without a doubt part of the Onse de Gala and starting those big games. Yeah, I would, I think, I don't think Chua Manny will play. I think that's why he played tonight. And um, I think that's fine. I think there's being too much read into him. Like, look at this midfield. It's stacked. Like just give him it's his first season at the club. Yeah. Eduardo Camavinga is literally like even before he joined, his metrics were always more crazy than Chuameni's, you know, just as far as um he was more of a unicorn. Chuameni was just a guy getting minutes as a six, and he was more known. His archetype was better understood. But um Camavinga's always been more of a unicorn, and I don't think it's a big deal. You know, Cruz and Modric are not going to be here forever, even if they manage to outlast any expectation. And so I'm not, I don't expect you many to start on Wednesday. Um, and so I expect Camavinga to start. I agree that um, Militao was rested. I'm sure he's going to go with Militao and Alaba. Um, yeah. What do you think of playing Militao at right back potentially? Or you no, know, not for it? I'm not, no. His best position center back. He's so. I mean, we saw it with Brazil in the World Cup. I thought he was he was fine, but nothing spectacular. Um, I'd I'd rather honestly, I'd take Carvajal or Nacho over um, over Militao at right back. For sure, for sure. I think, um, yeah, I think the only main concern is Carvajal for me on Wednesday. I think I don't know if Cruz and Modric start. It might be both. Um, I guess Wednesday, what it comes down to is it's not too dissimilar to Liverpool at Anfield, where um, I do think the opposition might make it a little easy for us. Um, I think the opposition are at a very flawed moment, Chelsea, where, um, you know, like, who, like I'm not saying this same lineup would do way better against Chelsea, but may, maybe, honestly, because I think Chelsea are a team in disarray. Are they even better than Villarreal right now? <laughs> and honestly, I... I don't want to jinx it, but at the end of the day, this Chelsea team are not, they're not a good team. Liverpool was not a good team either. And so Real Madrid should win that tie, but we know the Champions League. We know that upsets happen all the time and crazy chaotic things happen and things you 
you would never fathom, which we even pulled off last season. So um, I'm not going to discount anything, but yeah, I agree with you. Like they're just not a good team. I would say, yes, Villarreal are a better team and just right. maybe they don't have better talent, better players, but just as terms of how well coached they are, uh, they're a cohesive unit and they know what they're trying. Like they have an identity on the field and these players actually know each other and have played with each other for more than two months. So I think from that perspective, yeah. Yeah, they, they are definitely better coached. And, you know, there are a lot of things Lampard is going to do as caretaker. I don't think making them a challenging tactical outfit is one of them whatsoever. And um, it's from that standpoint that, um, you know, no matter what happened tonight, I think the process was good. I think that's why I'm more upbeat overall. Since the process was good and Chelsea are very much like Liverpool, not only being easy, but almost being the type of team that you can afford to learn from. If you get your first setup wrong for 30 minutes, it's probably not the end of the world against Chelsea. Whereas City, Bayern or Napoli might be a completely different story. So, you know, unlike last year, I think that run is a little bit easier going forward. Like this Chelsea team is easier than last season's Chelsea team. Um, I think that's something we could probably agree on. Um, yeah, like, when, you know, even if Chelsea get it wrong in the first leg, I don't think they're going to come back with like a perfect tactical setup that sees them go up 3-0 within an hour in the second leg. It's Lampard. Um, and, you know, I say this as someone who thinks Lampard will do a good job. I think it was a very welcome change for them. I think Graham Potter, they might have looked really listless with him in, on the European night. So, yeah, I, I don't want to jinx it. I mean, I don't really care as far as jinxing things, I feel like things just happen anyways, but um, it's um, yeah, it's, I think if there's like a loss that you don't have to feel that bad about, it would be tonight for me. <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal each week. You're here is in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I mean, maybe we focus, because maybe me in particular, I've been focusing on some of the negative, but how about some of the pot, maybe even just player personnel performances tonight and some of the positives that you take, you come away with who stood out for you? Um, I did like Ceballos, you know, there were moments where the defense again, wasn't great, but I like, I think every game I see Ceballos, I like him. Like I want him to, I I wanted them to renew him. Um, you know, I think he has a future at this club. (laughs) So, So, if there's one player, honestly, that really like continues to solidify his presence, it's Tobias. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I'm in agreement. I I love Tobias, and I think despite some, I think some of the mishaps he had tonight, if were more down to the system than him, and I think he actually, as an individual, really played well. You saw him play some of those 
um, kind of his Taylor characteristic pass where he breaks through, he breaks like two lines and plays the ball through the center back and the fullback to a non-running Vinicius. Um, he wiggled his way out of like three players a couple times. And uh, I just think he, 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 he did enough tonight to like deserve a, a good rating. I thought probably our best player was Vinicius. Um, I thought just this was the best he's played against Juan Foyth. Juan Foyth usually does a pretty good job against him, but tonight um, he struggled. He really struggled. And I was just amazed at how long it took the ref to finally give him that yellow card. Uh, nine Vinicius fu- suffered nine fouls. I think eight of them were Juan Foyth. And he didn't didn't get the card until his seventh or or eighth, and so that was for me ridiculous. And you could see how frustrated Vinny was, and he kept going to the ref, counting like one, two, three, four. How many does he get? Um, and so I I I felt for Vinicius on this one. Usually I don't like him complaining to the referee, but tonight I was kind of with him. I was like, this is getting out of hand. Just give the guy a card, and he'll stop fouling him. Um, but he just turned him inside out constantly tonight. Uh, obviously got the goal maybe could have had a couple others if he if he had his finishing shoes on and um, that's where again we go back to some of the bigger misses you mentioned Rodrigo Vinicius had a couple Asensio had one and so this could have been different Um, we hedged on the side of creating chances and um, keeping four men forward and ultimately it didn't work out and Chuck Weze had the night of his life. So you could whittle it down to that. But for me, Vinicius, Ceballos, um, let me look at the lineup again. I thought Asensio, like I mentioned, was was really good as well. Um, obviously, if you nitpick with him, it, it again comes down to just the the system used and maybe some of the personnel in midfield alongside him. Maybe you don't despite Ceballos playing well and despite Chuameni playing fine. I, I, didn't, I didn't think he was spectacular, but I didn't think he was poor. Maybe they're just not the right personnel fits alongside him uh, in midfield. And so um, those guys were probably the best for me. The rest of the team, honestly, I just not, not much there. Lucas Vasquez felt like we got nothing out of him. He doesn't even – one thing I noticed in the last few games, and maybe this is just rust from – uh, from coming off injury, but he's not even able to outrun folks anymore. Like the ball gets played through to him down the wing, and if he's in a foot race with one of the defenders, he can't out he can't outrun him anymore. And uh, that's that's a little bit concerning. I felt like we got nothing from him. Nacho mentioned rough day. Our center backs were fine, not nothing spectacular. Um, and then Benzema and Rodrigo just really really quiet. Yeah, um, I agree. Vinicius now up to 21 goals, 16 assists for the season, I think. So um, if I'm not wrong, pretty good season from him. And we still got a good 10 games left for him to pad up those numbers. And um, Well, I saw just on that point, I saw a stat the other day, uh, which kind of blew my mind. So it was a stat comparing the best wingers of the last decade or two. And it had like Ribery, Robin, um, who else was on there? Uh, I'm forgetting a bunch of them. Uh, but like some of the best wingers in the game over the past 10 years, Hazard was on there. Um, and how many of them have scored over 20 goals in a season? 
and done that more than once. And none of them had done it more than two seasons. And Vinicius has already done it two seasons in a row at 22 years old. And so I think it's a, a testament to just how good this guy is. And even like some people earlier this year were saying that Vinicius is having a quieter year versus last year, but he's really not. He's really not. And the scouting report's been out on him and you still can't stop him. No matter how many triple teams and how many fouls he gets this season and how frustrated he gets with the ref and the opposition fans, you still can't stop him. And I think uh, just to see these numbers, it's, it's crazy. And he's last year, we were blown away with the breakout season and what he's done now is just build on that and build consistency, which is what's required to be a superstar and to be at the top of the game. Um, and I think his ability to to produce game in and game out and to br- produce these type of numbers from the left wing is just a testament to how good he is. Yeah, I mean, I think clearly it's a better season if we really break it down in that um, scouting reports out um, and the the forward line has been more like it hasn't been as reliable. It's not been the same. Yeah, Benzema hasn't been there for half the season. <laughs> Yeah, so I think last season, Benzema, you could argue, was the best player. Even though Vinicius was the spark that unlocked the new offense, Benzema was the best player. I think this season, Vinicius is the best player. And the scouting report's out. He's been doubled and tripled more. They've been leaving the left back open more. And he's still pretty much on track to have the same output. And he's been fully available, which isn't really a feature of all the top forwards anymore. Like a lot of players, like the best forwards are the ones who are always available. And he is now. And um I agree. It's pretty crazy. Like it's, it's pretty crazy. It's a pretty crazy place to be. And that's why I hope, um, I hope they put it together and actually do justice to the season and win one of the major trophies other than the Copa del Rey, which is, you know, what we want where we all want one thing as Real Madrid fans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think reframing it like that, because even myself, I haven't, I don't know if I, put it in that perspective but like when you reframe it like that it it is incredible what he's achieved this season because he's had a it's been a completely different season just from the obstacles he's had to he's had to overcome to produce those numbers so um i think that's that's huge for him and again i think a big part of the reason why he had freedom against barcelona and had one of his best duels ever against arajo was because um Rodrigo is on the opposite wing o- occupying defenders and um providing a threat and then you also obviously have Kamavinga who not only played lights out defensively 1v1 against Rafinha but he has the ability to kind of um come in obviously as an interior and play as a, as a midfielder underlap combine out wide with Vinicius and just add a layer to that game which we don't really have when Mendy or Nacho even Alaba to a degree playing that position. And so um, I think those two, to your point earlier in this podcast, like if, if we're going to say one thing that's improves this team and you mentioned Rodrigo and Kamavinga, I think them playing in those positions improves Vinicius and gives him the ability, uh, gives him more freedom and gives him um, more options to combine with in the final third, but also to, um to connect with others yeah definitely um 
Definitely. That that's why I, that's the lineup I like the most. It's just the most smooth. Kamavinga overlaps. Vinicius. Cuts so you in. think Kamavinga's at a uh, left back on Wednesday? Uh he could. I I feel like it really matters last Wednesday. That's where it comes back to. It's like we go through. I, I mean, again, I don't want to jinx it as we talk. I think about, I think he's at left back. You think he's at left back? Yeah. My question is like, say we go through. Is Kamavinga at left back like against a Man City or a Bayern? And as we move forward. I think, yeah, I think after the Classico, I agree. I think he is. Um, who do you start in midfield then in the ideal I think lineup? He's gonna start, I think he's going to start the same lineup as he did against Barcelona. Um, and Love I think it. what's interesting is our system changes more to... Um, it's almost like a, a back three. Um, or like a th- an unbalanced, asymmetrical 3-4-3 three, three because you have... Kamavinga, who comes in as like an additional midfielder, Fede actually goes out a little bit more wide and Rodrigo comes in a little bit more. And so um, it's kind of like an asymmetrical 3-4-3. You have Carvajal who just holds back. And um, I think when you have Kamavinga and Fede able to kind of cover in behind Cruz and cover his blind spots, um it helps you to be able to play him in that role. I'm not a huge proponent of him playing um, as a defensive midfielder, especially, I mean, from the various performances we've seen, um, I think back to city last year, but I think when you have the right personnel there and you build the right shape around him, he's not, it's just a different, um, you just have to provide different roles to different players. We always talk about like positions aren't fixed. And they're just spots on a field and spaces on a field. And so I think when you can um, just give players the right roles and make the system kind of shape shift when you have the ball, when you don't, um, then I think it could work. It could work. It's obviously only been one big game sample size, but um, I think Carlo probably really liked it on Wednesday. And I have a feeling he's going to go with that again. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, um, I agree. I think he'll go with it again. I'm just so curious to see if he has to evolve it in, in ahead of a hypothetical Champions League semifinals. I'm, um, I'm just more skeptical that it's the same lineup he uses the whole time. But it does take all the boxes. It has more cover for Cruz. And there's still Ceballos available off the bench if they need a little more thrust in place and through a many. So, you know, shoring up the game or bringing more energy, they can inject that into the midfield. That's where it is super promising. Um, you know, that might be the Gala 11. And 
I do agree that when you compare that to last year, you just wonder about it defensively, but it might just be way better offensively than last year. Um, to the point where it's just, that's where I wonder, is it just better? Because you're not starting every game with a team that like labors its way for an hour and struggles to progress the ball as we saw at points when, when they would play what Cruz, Modric, Casemiro and Valverde, and they wouldn't have enough energy. It felt like, and um, this lineup does seem to mitigate that. I mean, I thought Mendy was great last year, but I think Canelvinga, his, I feel like he's a better two way left back. Like, I mean, not just like, I think the offense and the comfort on the ball kind of adds to more defensive comfort, if that makes sense. Do you feel that way? As far as, um, it's the same argument I made for Chua Mendy when he came in. And, and first half of the season, we saw it at points where because he's more comfortable on the ball than Casemiro, at, there are moments where even though he can't defend as well, he may, it, like that offensive attribute, the comfort it dis, it like conveys to the rest of the team is better. And I think the first classical, there were moments where the team really calmly passed through Barcelona's press. And what are your thoughts there? Do you think Camavinga, by making the team more comfortable, does he make it better than what Mendy could? Yeah, so you're basically saying do his pros outweigh the cons there in that position? Yeah, and it really comes down to like how good Vinicius is and how if you get the team clicking in a certain way, we're very unguardable. Um, that's the yeah, problem. yeah. I mean, the big thing for I've always argued that like it depends on the game state for Kamavinga or even or in other words to say it depends on Carlo Ancelotti's game plan because if you're gonna sit in and counter then I don't think Kamavinga is the guy because I think if you put him in a position where he's actually playing like as a proper left back and has to um, kind of know when to tuck in in the back four, know when to press out, know when to, if there's a long diagonal ball, when to track the runner and how to track the ball. And like we saw, I think it was against Espanol when he really struggled with that. Um, and so in that type of, game setting and that type of game plan then no i don't think he's the right guy but if you're planning to press high up the field you're planning to have a lot of the ball uh you're planning to take the game to the opposition um or if you're chasing a game then yeah i think that's the type of game state where i want kamavinga at left back and i think the pros outweigh the cons yeah the other thing i just think about is um is there any loss or big cost to taking him out of midfield that is completely lost? Is like, is yeah. there a dynamic that we just never get by not playing him there? Cause yeah. he was also big at Anfield. Yeah. Um, and, and in the, and in the return leg at the Santiago Bay, it was incredible. Yeah. That was probably his best performance of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just like, it's too bad. We don't have two of Camavingas. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me if you agree with this, because I mentioned this to Keon probably a couple of months ago. Um, and at the time, I don't know that he agreed with me, but I think now it's even grown even more. There's more credence to this statement. Do you think Kamavinga's breakout season this season is equivalent to Vinicius's last year? Yeah, I actually, I had been thinking about it the last few days. Um, I was going to say that, like, I can't think of another, like, for the price we paid, he's like the midfield Vinicius, like, or I guess now left back and midfield, which is just crazy. But, um, yeah, I do, because um, I think there are just two types of attributes in football, like super creative attributes that allow you to score 
and then super destructive attributes that allow you to move the ball up the field. And Kamavinga, he's just like the other side of the ball. He can dominate it so much. And his ability to flow into transitions means um, he's a solid offensive player. I think he's such a perfect fit for the modern game. I think both of them, they're able to like win duels at such high speeds and they consistently seek out duels at high speeds. I think that's something the modern game needs technically gifted players who consistently win one V one situations. And um, in that sense, yeah, I think they're both so good one V one that they just make the game easier for everyone. And I think that's probably the best thing. It's cool to think about that. We finally have like, like, you know, for years, I thought Neymar and Messi were the two 1v1 geniuses and they were at Barcelona. I love Bale and Ronaldo. And, like, I think Marcelo was a great 1v1. But um, now we really have two of the best 1v1 players in the world. Yeah, and it's a rare skill set, too, in the game. Like, it's more and more, it's getting harder and harder to find these types of players. So uh, before we get, I know you have um, a time limit and I want to get this talking point in here. So... Uh, we want to talk about some of the aftermath after the game. Um, but before we get to that, is there anything else you want to touch on from this game? I know we kind of did more of a preview and um, high level kind of holistic view of the team and stuff, which is probably going to happen all season with these La Liga games. But anything else you want to touch on from this game before we move on to uh, an incident afterwards? No, I, um, I'd love to touch more on the game, but like, Man, just reading too much into La Liga games has never helped me predict what's going to happen with Real Madrid. And that's the main reason I personally zoomed out. It's like, we could zoom in, but then three days later, we're going to be like talking about a completely different team. But um, yeah, I'm ready to talk about the incident after the game. So yeah, so this has blown up after the game. I don't know if anything else has come out since we started recording, but um, Fede Valverde after the match, waited in the parking lot for Alex Baena, who apparently um, said something to Fede back in January during the Copa del Rey tie regarding uh, Fede's then, un- or the child still unborn. Um, but at the time, he feared a miscarriage, and uh, Alex Baena apparently said something about that miscarriage, saying, like, your son cry now because your son's not going to be born something along those lines I'm really really awful um and then today after the game um fede waited for him in the parking lot and uh apparently reportedly punched him uh i don't know if there was a scuffle after that he told him never to talk about my family again or never mess with my family and so really Obviously, shocking news. We'll see what comes out, uh, what type of punishment if comes to Fede's way for for um, for attacking Baena. But um, from from my perspective, I like, especially now being a father, like I totally empathize with Fede and like understand his rage and frustration and like just I'm disgusted at Baena. Like I don't understand how you could even say something like that. That goes beyond any kind of sporting trash talk. Like that just crosses the line. But at the same time, Fede knows that he's a Real Madrid player. He knows that he has to be held to a higher standard. He knows that he's potentially a future captain. And I just, you can't, you can't do that. Like you just can't. Um, And so I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what comes out after this, but kind of what's your take after reading everything and seeing the news? I mean, 
like yeah i mean the stuff that was said it's weird normally like if someone punches someone the person doing the punching is in trouble but the stuff said was so egregious and i think it shows in the sense that villarreal are not actually charging fede with anything <laughs> and i think that's almost like a statement from the club that like hey like this is kind of like a low blow from our own player um you know and police had to intervene to stop both of them is what the official quote says okay. so we'll see what happens um yeah i think like nine out of ten times situation like this fede gets in big trouble this might be the one time where i don't actually think he gets in that much trouble i think this ends up being forgotten if i'm being honest like I mean, I just can't, like, what type of person do you have to be, Diana, to say this thing? Like, how does that even cross your mind to to say that during a game? Like, I just... I don't know. It's been a weird season. We've heard some things <laughs> yeah. said about Vinicius this season. Um, yeah. So, I don't know, man. It's been a weird season. In La Liga, especially the hostility with... Um, have we seen that this much hostility between Real Madrid and, like, random La Liga players and teams in a season in a while? No, but I'll tell you what, I like the tension over the Classico this past week. Like, I enjoyed that. It was nice to finally see that again. High stakes, like high intensity, scuffles. I, like I, I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> I, I thought it was funny when Vinicius said, like, shut up, you suck to Ferran. <laughs> yeah. That was that was so funny. Barcelona fans were laughing at that. <laughs> that was um that was really good. I agree. Um I I mean I think strictly for PR purposes like I think like the whole like you know some of the things that were said about Vinicius like you know some I think one of the players said he wanted to like break Vinicius earlier this season um I think things like that even like even though there's racism involved with it I think the tension still might draw more viewers this is just like a dude being a prick like this is just yeah Yeah. it's like I don't even know like it like I feel like saying you want to break a player might still fall within certain bounds of some (laughs) code but like saying screw your kid being born is something else um, yeah yeah no i agree it crosses the line yeah i mean um, i don't know what to expect at this club anymore it's just been yeah, you're right i mean this has been kind of a wild season in that regard like just some of the uh, the crap that our players and the club and the team have had to deal with and just what's been going on in la liga and spain it's been crazy but um yes. it's <laughs> We'll see what we'll see what bring the last few weeks bring us, but that's um, one. That's another reason the league feels a little different sometimes. Like I don't think the refs are biased personally, but I do think like league games, the whole dynamic when we play is so different to a Champions League tie. The way it's officiated, the way the crowd is, it's like a different planet, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the officiating we could go on a whole other podcast, <laughs> but just the amount of red cards compared to other leagues, the amount of yellow cars and the amount of fouls called the amount of stoppages in games the var controversy i mean it i've never been one to um like to talk about referees and i've never been one like i always kind of made fun of the spanish media for for being so dramatic on refereeing calls and always focusing on that but i've been proven wrong with the nigera case and everything else that's been going on so i'm just gonna keep my mouth shut but these are things that now that i'm just like it's getting more and more visible and more and more frustrating. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's been – the refereeing topic has also been a big one in the NBA, so that's why it's been a fun season of sports for sure. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited for Wednesday and um, quite confident too, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm, I've I've got a quiet confidence as well. I don't want to – 
I don't like to be too arrogant on these things, but I think Real Madrid obviously is the better team and they should go through. So looking forward to Wednesday. Um, Sid, I appreciate you you hopping on and um, filling in, especially with Keon out. He did want me to mention that there will be um, a live Zoom podcast for Patreons uh, after the Chelsea leg, after the first leg against Chelsea. So everyone, make sure you're uh, signed up on Patreon to 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 get access to that. And uh, they're a lot of fun. The chats are awesome. Uh, it's really euphoric feeling, especially after big wins, like the one against Barcelona last week. So um, definitely hop in and join if you, if you haven't already. Um, otherwise, Sid, again, appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk again next time. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.